that I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen. This is Brother Frank. Welcome back to another episode of the Remnant Call. And I am calling not from the great state of Virginia, but I'm actually calling tonight from Huntington Beach, California, out here visiting uh, my wife's family. And so just glad to be able to be here. Even though I'm not at home, I am still with you. So forgive me for not having as good an audio quality this evening. Um, Hopefully these earbuds microphone is not what I wanted, but my wife gave me a fit when I wanted to bring the whole sound system with me. And so we're going to make do with this tonight. And so we have a special guest calling in, Brother Benjamin, tonight to deal with, uh, if you haven't seen, uh, things have changed a little bit in the last week and gotten just one step closer to the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And uh, folks, I don't know about you, but um, I don't know what else God needs to do to wake us up. Um, I hope that we don't decide to wake up once it's too late, once the missiles are already flowing, uh, flying, excuse me, that is not the time to be waking up, but it is now while we still have a moment, while we still have time, uh, while we still have that, that, um, moment here to reach out to our neighbors, to our family. You know, there are a lot of people that you're looking for somebody else to reach your loved ones. When the fact is, it's us. We are the ones. And so I understand there are so many out here, and I get the emails, and I know the frustrations of what it's like when you try to reach out to family members who um, they don't want to hear the truth. They don't. They, they think you're crazy. And honestly, sometimes we need to also pray about how we share things with our family members. Um, you know, we don't have to go beat them to death with a with the Bible over the head. We do need to present them with truth. I, I tried that strategy with my wife in the early years after my conversion, and I was not successful with anything when it came to converting her over uh, to believing the way I believed. It was actually when I backed off and I prayed and allowed God to bring the conviction that we came into harmony as husband and wife, and our beliefs began to line up together. And so, folks, I just want to encourage you, you know, um, when we present, you know, and, and we share something, uh, just because someone doesn't agree with us right away uh, doesn't mean we need to beat them to death. We just need to tell them this is the time and then pray and ask God to do what you are unable to do. Uh, the Spirit of God is much more powerful than, than we are, and, and God is able to do that which we cannot do. And so I just want to encourage you. I know it's so frustrating with family. Um, they're some of the hardest, but God put you there for a reason. And maybe you can't always talk to them literally, but you can pray and you can intercede. And some of us, including myself specifically, we at times we've fallen off the bandwagon. We've gotten sidetracked. We've We've had the best of intentions. We started out praying for that family member, and then before you know it, we kind of got going down another path. And, and that's okay. What we need to do is we repent 
and we turn and we begin to pray again. If you remember when Saul and Samuel, or uh, King Saul and Samuel was together, and, and Saul, Samuel said something very important. He said it would be sin if he didn't pray. See, God is calling us to, to be intercessors, to, to step in where somebody else cannot, to stand in the gap where the other person is failing, to be there where they cannot um, be there themselves because of whatever, whatever may be uh, distracting or anything like that. So um, just want to encourage everybody to do that. And so tonight like, I'm going to bring Brother Benjamin on here with us to share um, some good news and, and to give us some updates. And just a quick word, if, um, if you did not get a chance to catch last week's episode on, on Holy Days, um, folks, that message – there are so many signs going on right now of things that are happening, but if you listen to that message that was shared last week, you will understand that not only are the things that are in the Bible are true, but you can actually see them happening right before your face. And so I want to encourage everybody to check that out and to listen in and just continue to help spread the good news about the Remnant Call broadcast so that we can continue to grow this audience and reach more people. And so with that, I'm going to bring Benjamin into the program here and... Benjamin, are you here with us? Hey, good evening. Hey, Brother Benjamin. Thanks for joining this evening. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Well, I'm back, actually, Benjamin, in some of your old stomping grounds. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I decided, you know, it wasn't enough to be able to do this program from Virginia. I needed to go as far away in the U.S. almost as I could, so I came all the way to Huntington Beach, California. You're out there. You're actually at the edge of the earth. If the earth was flat, you would possibly fall off because you can't get any further from Jerusalem than the beaches of California. Well, I think the environment around here feels the same way. <laughs> yeah, spiritually as well as physically true. Yes, But, hey, correct. I've got a lot of friends and family, and, and I know a lot of beautiful believers that live in uh, Southern California, and... You know, it's really all Babylon from sea to shining sea these days. A few little uh, small enclaves of the remnant who are being sanctified. And uh, everyone else, you know, for the most part, if I could generalize, I would say they're simply going to hell. Literally that is and truly sad. That is truly sad. But Benjamin, you know as well as I do that that the remnant always permeates all throughout. There is still a group of believers, and you know what I feel the worst about? A lot of them they want to leave so bad, and they feel so trapped. Yeah, country. yeah, we are all kind of trapped. We're captured by the time in which we live and the circumstances that seem to have come upon all of us and you know there's all the limitations but you know God is actually in charge of all those details so you know don't sweat the small stuff and really those details are all on the list of small stuff but Frank hey wow how fun so you're in Huntington Beach yeah I'm out here you know I mentioned I met my wife when I was in the Marines in uh, 1990 well, I was just getting out of the Marine Corps in 1996 and uh, this is where her family's at so we're back out here just visiting for a few days and uh, glad to be here it's fun but uh, also <laughs> be glad to head back home oh it's so funny because uh, I work down the street from you in Newport Center um, oh yeah I've been working right in Newport road. Center all my clients are in Newport Center I've worked there my entire career 
really mo- most of my life, actually. And, you know, the funny thing is I haven't actually been to work for about uh, two years at this point. Uh, physically, I telecommute in from the, the Rocky Mountains of Idaho. But, uh, yeah, I'm working down the street from you. Isn't that hilarious? It is. It is. I'm too bad you're not here right now. Yeah, it would be great. Um, we could get together and, and break bread and, uh, and share the fellowship of the Lord. But praise God. Hey, thanks for the opportunity to be on the program tonight. And uh, Our pleasure. Shall we begin in prayer? Amen. Please do. Men ought always to pray and never to faint. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to your people. I thank you that your word is a sure, and it's, a, a, it's an anchor to the storms and to the wind that blows, the winds of all of the things of this world that come against your people. Your word is the anchor in this hour. And, Lord, you are a strong tower. And, and Lord, we look to hide ourselves in you. We desire to abide in you, to walk in you, to live and to breathe in your presence. And so we commit this time to you tonight, Lord, and pray you would reach out and touch the people that you have gathered. You've brought them tonight to hear a word that is going to transform them because you're doing a mighty work, a quick work, an awesome work in your people before you begin your work in the land. So we consecrate and dedicate this time to Jesus Christ, the edification of his people. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, uh, Benjamin, I just uh, want to turn this program over to you, but I just want to mention a few things. Um, it's amazing how in one week's time this world can change so dramatically, you know, from the floods uh, in Houston to the missiles flying over Japan. You know, it's amazing how the people uh, two, three weeks ago in that area, never knew that their lives, even in down in Houston, were going to be so radically changed as it is. That's what happened back in ancient Babylon, and I feel that's what's coming to America. Yeah, it, it has begun. Indeed, it has begun. And you know, I, I used to be in the um, military intelligence business, and I, you know, worked for uh, the U.S. Army as an intel analyst, and my job was. I was actually an order of battle specialist, and so my job was to watch the Russians and to try to determine when they were planning to attack um, our allies or to attack our forward bases or to attack you know, the United States itself. And um, I kind of always stayed in that mode, even though I left that formal, I, I left that job many, many years ago, but I stayed close to the intel business and you know the revelations of holy scripture are the intelligence from the throne room of god and the lord is not being fooled one bit by the plans of the enemy you know the bible is real clear on what the red horse is planning to do Uh, but frank when we look at the world today it's just amazing i mean we're literally on the door you know now that doesn't mean that we don't have a few more months or maybe you know, the United States, as we know it, might even survive another year. You know, I've kind of always, well, in, in recent times, I'd always circled 2017, 2018 for reasons I've explained in, in the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, and probably talked about in, at infinitum on, on all of these 
blog talks. But um, clearly, the world has changed. There's no question. And you know, the ironic thing about um, Houston, the point I was trying to make, if I could keep focused, I'm a little exhausted right now. If you guys could say a prayer for me while while you're listening to this program, that would be awesome. That the Lord would strengthen me to actually share the things He's put on my heart. But you know, as I thought through the military strategy, you know, how how would Russia, how would the Communist Chinese, how would the alliance of many nations that are spoken of in both uh, Ezekiel 38 as well as Jeremiah 15:51, you know, many kings will be gathered uh, from the coastlands of the earth, you know, and and of course there's a long list of communist allies, communist satellite countries that are all going to participate in in the war that's coming against America. But you know, as I thought through, what would I do? You know, where's the first place you hit? Well, that's obvious. Houston, Texas. You want to attack Houston. I mean, if you're going to do a major, whether it's a terrorist attack, you know, you're going to detonate a WMD, or you're going to use weather warfare, and you're going to use your, you know, your high-tech weather technologies to, to basically beam microwave energy into the center of the hurricane, in order to increase the heat transmission, which makes the storm stronger, or you're gonna you're gonna bump it on the outer edge of the rotating uh, cyclone wind pattern, much like a child would. You just tap a little spinning top on the on the table in front of them. You know you can guide these things around. So you know weather warfare is very real, and you know there's all of the evidence that what happened in Houston was clearly a, uh, a engineered weather warfare event. You know, of course, there's no fingerprints in the clouds as to which nations engaged in this, you know, which government did this to us. But in any event, it was clearly engineered. It's clearly a precursor. And now, why Houston? You know, is it because, you know, the Houston Texans? No, of course not. It has nothing to do with the culture of the people. It has to do with the oil refining that is in Houston and, you know, the Houston oil refineries that are right on the coast very easily damaged by this kind of a storm, provide the majority of the gasoline for the Midwest and for the East Coast. You, know, you want to incapacitate the United States, the one city that is so critical is Houston, Texas. And so here, here we are. And, you know, just to make the point, you know, um, and I didn't really want to go off on Houston, but, you know, since we're, since we're in the big, you know, the great state, the Lone Star State, let's talk about Houston for a minute. The, the amazing thing is that this hurricane made landfall on the anniversary of Katrina. And uh, Katrina, of course, had an, seven years later to the day, there was a second hurricane that hit New Orleans. It was not nearly as devastating as Katrina because they didn't blow up the dikes. And I stress the word blow up with, you know, munitions um, to maximize the storm damage in the case of Katrina. But here we are. I think it's the 12-year anniversary, and now we have another engineered hurricane. This time, and you know, the damage is not even done in Houston. And you know, for those of you who can see beyond the obvious, uh, there's all the clues in the world of who really was behind this. Because if you go back to New Orleans, the city was founded in, I believe, the year 1806. I could be off, but early 1800s. The early crest, the, the city crest of New Orleans, um, and I found this on the Internet. I wish I would have printed it because I can't find it again. I think they 
maybe it's been removed, you know, Google erased it or whatever, but the early crest of the city of New Orleans read uh, Tubacal, Tubal Khan, pardon me, Tubal Khan built me, but Hercules will rebuild me. This was the crest of the city of New Orleans when it was founded in the early 1800s. And what does that mean? Well, Hercules is a mythological figure that represents Apollyon, the coming of the New World Order. Tubalcon is another ancient name for Satan. And um, the two-ball part of the name is symbolically represented by two circles. And then the two-ball cane, pardon me, is the name. The cane is represented oftentimes by the number seven. And so you know, the fictional character 007 really was the signature of a high-level satanic wizard who was in the service of the throne, the British throne in the 1500s. And he signed his name 007. But really what that meant was two-ball cane, two balls in a cane. And I remember when the second hurricane hit New Orleans on the seven-year anniversary, I thought, wow, you know, those hurricanes look like balls. Here we got two hurricanes, and then the seven-year separation, it looks a lot like 007, and that's what led me down the, you know, research in the history of the city and finding out about maybe um, some other watchmen in the hour were also mentioning Tubal Cain at the time. And so, you know, Satan destroyed New Orleans, but, you know, in the satanic kingdom, it's going to be rebuilt in, in the image of Hercules. And so here we have another incident. And one last little footnote on, on Houston. Um, I don't know if you guys have, uh, look at the symbolism in the movies. Uh, there's been a number of great YouTubes that you know, show that 9-11, for example, was all over the movies. It's just in background. The clock was at 9-11. The numbers were 9-11, 9-11, 9-11 was everywhere several years up to the September 11th incident. You know, it's sort of like a teasing, a taunting. A, the Illuminati was showing off that we know what we're going to do on 9-11, right? Well, the same thing, I recently saw on YouTube, and again, the numbers 923, 923, 923, and of course, you know, that's the, the date for the birth of the man-child. But what I found really fascinating you know, in a program that I just happened to catch uh, part of the, one of the characters was uh, trying to find their sister who had died and was working with an alleged friend. And, of course, the sister's gone. And the friend really wasn't a friend at all. It was a CIA agent that knew that the sister was, had been murdered as part of a cover-up of a covert black op project. And they were only there to make sure that the, the sister never found anything to really lead them to the answer of how their loved one had died and so this person was giving up the search for their missing sister and and they presented the cia agent with a gift which is rather strange but anyway they said i want to give you a present you know since you were such a good friend and you know allegedly helped me try to find my my lost sister i i bought you a gift and frank it was a dvd of the movie harvey do you remember harvey the film I don't, Jimmy I don't know if I actually saw it. It's a great film. It's very entertaining. It. Anyway, Harvey is an imaginary or an invisible rabbit 
and Jimmy Stewart, it's his best friend, and of course his family, everybody thinks he's crazy, but Harvey was really there. He's just invisible. And so the invisible hand behind the Hurricane Harvey was given to the CIA in this program. So, you know, coincidence? Why would they pick a movie from the 1950s or 60s about an invisible rabbit, some invisible force that was involved? And its name was Harvey. Coincidentally, the hurricane, right? Yeah, it's all coincidence. Okay, let's go back. Let's focus on the Word of God. The time indeed is at hand. And isn't that amazing, though, Frank? It's astonishing. Yes. Maybe yes, it's just it me. You know, I pay attention to the little, to the little issues. But yeah, let's get into the Word of God. When you asked me what should we call the program, I had no clue, and nor did I really have much. You know, I mean, that was what yesterday was it or the day before? Um, but I just said a brief prayer, and you know, I really felt. What came into my spirit was the time is fulfilled or the time is at hand. And, and so I want to just deal briefly with that message from Scripture. And, of course, you know, that is the, the, the words that Jesus used when he first began his ministry. You know, we read in Matthew 4:17, Jesus began to preach. You know, from that time, when he came out of the Jordan, when he came out of the time of fasting and the time of his preparation was over, um, you know, we read in Matthew 4:16, the people who sat in darkness saw a great light. And to them which sat in the region under the shadow of death, light sprang up. You know, and the, the whole idea of it rising, springing up out of the earth. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so it, with those words, the Lord announced the beginning of his ministry. Again, in Mark, we read, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Believe the gospel. And, of course, you know, this was announcing the beginning of the, the ministry of Messiah. And with the appearance of Jesus the kingdom of God came upon the people of that time. In a, in a very real sense, the day of the Lord had come. Only this was the day of the Lord ministering, coming upon us, coming among us as the Lamb of God. Well, the day of the Lord is about to begin again. It's going to be at hand yet again. And, and these, that phrase is also used in the book of Revelation. I'll just read a few verses from chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. Isn't that amazing? The revelation Amen. of Jesus was given by God unto Jesus. Stop and think about that for a moment. You know, what, what on earth is the scripture telling us? Father God gave, bestowed, Unto Jesus Christ, the man, the ministry of the revelation of Jesus Christ as Messiah and as God. And that word for revelation, I'm not really the best he, um, Greek student, uh, but it, it is apocalypsis. We could, of course, get apocalypse. You know, and it means a disclosure, the appearing or the manifestation 
of something that is being revealed. And even as, as Jesus told us in Luke 17, when, you, when the Son of Man is revealed, then don't even go back into your house. Don't get anything out of your house. You need to flee for the day of vengeance has come upon you. And of course, in the Matthew 24 account, Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, you need to flee. Don't even go back into your house. In the text, in the message in Luke chapter 17, same exact day, only now Jesus isn't referring to the abomination of desolation, which will be seen by the church. Now, uh, the preacher rapture people, they, they teach that that's just for the Jews. Because all those Laodicean Gentiles, they've all disappeared. And, you know, perhaps they're right. Maybe the Laodiceans will be gone before these events come. Um, I personally think they're getting captured. You know, before there's ever the final rapture, there's first going to be a capture and a persecution. And all nations will hate you before the Great Tribulation even begins. But here in Matthew, we're told we'll see the abomination. In Luke 17, the Lord tells us, on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. And here in Revelation chapter 1, we find out that the revealing of the deity and of the messianic authority of Jesus Christ occurred first in the life of Jesus. And God had given this to him. That is absolutely profound. To show unto his servants. The revelation of Jesus was so that Jesus could show his servants those things which must shortly come to pass. What's going to shortly come to pass? For those who can receive it, the revelation of Jesus. Luke 17. I'm going to turn there so I can read the verse for you guys. I don't have it completely memorized. Um, Luke 17. Pardon me. While I try to open my, my Bible to this chapter. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Luke 17:30. In that day, if you're on the housetop and your stuff is in your house, let him not come down and take it away. And you that are in the field, turn not back. Don't even look back to your house. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life shall lose it. Whoever, seeks, whoever shall lose his life for the sake of Jesus shall preserve it. And in that night, there shall be two in the bed, and one shall be taken, captured, and the other shall be left among the remnant. And, you know, the disciples said, Lord, where? Where are they being taken to? And the Lord said, where the vultures are, there are the bodies. Where the body is, rather, there the vultures will gather. So this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which shall again occur in his people. And, of course, that's the ministry of the 144,000. That's the birth of the man-child which occurs at the same time as the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Hallelujah. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God had given unto him, to show, to reveal to his servants that which must shortly come to pass. And that word for shortly is tachos in Greek, and it means briefly, quickly, hastily. Now, i got to tell you guys, if any of us, um, you know, if you could have lived long enough, if you would have like had a little blog talk program in the year, um, maybe like 80 or 90 AD, right, 2,000 years ago, 
and you would have said, hey, the revelation of Jesus is going to shortly come to pass. You know what they would call you? You know what they would do to you? <laughs> they would drag your name through the mud. They would call you a false prophet. They would say that man couldn't possibly have heard from God because nothing quickly came to pass. Yet nobody dares challenge the Apostle John or the book of Revelation, right? But yet, Amen. Yeah, nobody questions that the Scripture says the revelation of Jesus is going to quickly come. Well, does it mean that it would come quickly from the date of John's revealing? Or that when the birth of the man-child comes, it is going to quickly change the world? It is going to be a sudden revelation, like the cloud the clouds that would cover the sun being blown away, and suddenly the light's so bright, you can't even look at it. Quickly, everything is going to change. A nation born in a day, a, a kingdom coming in power, literally quickly and shortly. And he sent and signified this by his angel. So John is basically saying this has been, this has been confirmed and signified by the angel, who bore record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. You know, 2,000 years ago, approximately, Apostle John told us the time was at hand. Yet 2,000 years, 1,940-something years have transpired. We know that John's words are true. So what is the meaning of this? What was the revelation that was at hand, even in that time? And the letters to the churches that were given to John, they were clearly at, they were the message of the Lord at that moment to his people. And yet they spoke, those letters speak prophetically to all of Christendom, through all of time. Now, many say that the last letter to the seventh church, the Laodicean church, is really a prophetic word to the church of the last days, a church that is rich in things of the flesh. It's, it's full of the flesh, and it, in the natural eye, appears to be blessed and wealthy and in need of nothing. And the Lord rebukes those people for being spiritually blind, for being impoverished for being naked in terms of the righteousness of the kingdom. They had no garments on. They had no righteous works. They were actually just corrupt, apostate, horrible Christians. Yet they had money. They were driving BMWs and Mercedes. They were the wealthy believers. And, you know, that's not the church of China. That's not the church of, of the third world. You know, that, well, perhaps in some sectors of the third world. There are some wealthy Christians today who've been selling the prosperity message to the flock and have been, you know, stealing the wealth for the word of God, but for the most part, the rebuke was to the wealthy Christians of the West. And in my personal view, particularly the Americans, but this concept that the time is at hand, 
opens the book of Revelation, Revelation 1, 3. And again, at the closing of the book, in Revelation chapter 22, as John was, he was shown the totality of the Revelation. And, you know, the, the conclusion of the book in Revelation 22, verse 1, and he showed me a pure river, the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And that water of life itself is alive. And a close friend years ago, his name was Brother Joseph, and he was a beautiful brother and uh, had the blessing of, of fellowship with him for, for a number of years. And, and this brother walked with the Lord in a profound way. And one time he one day he called me up. He's like, Brother Benjamin, I had a dream about you last night. And, and we were standing in the mountains outside the city of God. The new Jerusalem had come down, and the river of life was flowing. And we were standing right there, and you reached down, and, and you filled your hands with the living water, and you threw it up into the air, and it became like diamonds. And you turned to me, and you said, Joseph, the water is alive. And the dream ended. And he said it was so beautiful. And that's a picture of where we're going, people. The paradise of God is going to be incredible. The very water of life, the, the water of the presence of God, the living water of the Holy Spirit is, no, is the water of life. And it's pure. And it's clear as crystal. And it comes out of the very throne of God. And it's alive. Amen. Amen. It's, it's like diamonds. It's beautiful. And in the midst of the great city, in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits, yielding fruit every month. God's continual, perpetual blessing of his people. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. Oh, praise God. No more curses. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in the city, and his servants shall serve him. What an honor when it will be our turn to serve the Lord in the city of the great king. No greater honor than to be of service to the Lord. And the amazing thing is we can do that now. Before we serve the Lord in the New Jerusalem, we can serve the Lord in this fine, these final hours. Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah. His servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. Praise God. And his, our face is, really reflects our countenance, which reflects, it reflects the condition of our soul. And you no doubt have seen pictures of people and their face tells you a story different than the smile, maybe on their mouth. You can tell that oh, yes. smile is just a little forced. You know what I mean? Something's wrong yes. with the smile. And, there's really, and when you look into the eyes and you, and you look at that total image from the face, there's no joy at all. And that's the wages of the flesh, people. You know, and you see that time and again when you look closely to the people of the world. And, you know, but in the kingdom that's coming, we're going to see the face of God. And, and we're going to see the joy that is unspeakable. The light and the life and the truth and the love that is infinite coming through the face of Jesus. And we will see his face. 
and his name shall be in our foreheads. He's going to write his name in our foreheads because he's going to look at us and he's going to say, they're mine. Those are my people. They're my children, my servants, my faithful ones who overcame the world and the devil and their own flesh. And there shall be no more night. And there will be no need for candles, neither for the light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. We're going to be in a position of being seated with the Lord who is over all of his creation. This is amazing. How do we get to reign? I mean, well, that was a gift. You know, that's the only way. The only the Lord could pick us up. We can't ascend to the throne of God, but the Lord can hold us by the hand and say, come up here and sit with me. And literally that's where he's calling us to. We shall rule and reign with him. That's amazing. We aren't worthy of ourselves, but as we as we lose our life for his sake and we become empowered, and become filled with the pure water of life and begin to be transformed with the renewing of our mind, begin to abide in the presence of his love, begin to be transformed and change and we begin to be born again and it's a transformation that goes beyond our spirit begins to redeem our soul and it goes all the way to the redemption of our flesh into a new body and then we will be like him and we will reign with him forever and he said unto me these things are faithful and true you know every now and then people accuse me of being a false witness you know because some of what I share um, people have a hard time receiving some of what I teach, which comes right out of the Word of God, people have a hard time understanding. You know, I'm used to that kind of treatment. You know, what, in my job, I do, I do uh, financial things and business things, and I'm a consultant also in matters regarding tax law and business law. And I have lawyers telling me, no, you can't do that, Benjamin. And the reality is they just didn't understand my words. Yeah have been given to me by the Lord, and they're faithful and true. You know, Frank, you've asked me, Benjamin, could you come on and share your testimony? And um, some of my testimony is pretty miraculous, to the point I've had people get mad at me, people get angry, they say, oh, he must be lying, you know. God's never done anything like that in anybody that I know before. And so I'm a little gun-shy. Um, but I didn't come to I didn't come to add things to the word of God and I didn't come to bring a testimony of, of me I think we all are those of you guys who are really being prepared to be part of the remnant you know what I'm talking about that we are all being poured out we're being emptied out so that we could decrease that he might increase in us. Because the old nature, the old man that we all came from can't possibly inherit the kingdom of God. We have to you know, be a new creation. Benjamin, something I, I want to add to what you were saying about, you know, it's hard to receive sometimes. And, and folks, I'd just like to say this. Um, 
I've been listening to Benjamin since um, my conversion in 1999, um, and I met you shortly right after that, Benjamin. And I've heard every so-called watchman, prophet, whatever they want to say, you know, out there on the circuits today. But Benjamin, there's been one thing about you to me that's always been different, that you've always said something that I never heard the rest of them always say. You must hear from the Lord yourself. I never found, Benjamin, through all the years that you spoke, that you ever told me to trust you, but you did point me to trust God. And that's been something for me that's been very hard sometimes when I haven't heard other people. I've heard them talk about what they do and how, God, how miraculous God works, but I rarely ever hear someone say, you must hear from God. And I want to say thank you, Benjamin, for always keeping that as a part of your message, uh, which I always knew that if this man's pointing me to the Lord above himself, and that's a good thing. Well, amen, brother. We're in the hour when the scripture is very clear in, in the book of Micah that we should trust not in a friend and place no confidence in a guide. And Jesus quoted from Micah, I believe that's chapter 7, He quote, or maybe it's 5, he quoted from that chapter in Matthew 24, authenticating that the prophecies of Micah in chapters 5 through 7, are prophecies of the last days. And so that means they apply to us. We better take them seriously. But, but amen, Frank. I mean, the Lord will send people to bless, to help us, to bless us, to confirm his word to us. But he alone is going to guide his people. And these, these so-called prophets that would come and want to put their yoke on you, I would suggest if you guys are you know, questioning whether to listen to these prophets, or maybe you read the false prophet list, that, you know, um, allegedly called the Elijah list, okay? I call it the false prophet list. Now, maybe there's some well-meaning people that are part of it. I have no idea. I wouldn't even read it. Place no confidence in a guide. Why would you read what men are writing when you're supposed to learn to hear from the Lord, right? But the Lord will use people to come and confirm things he's already put in your heart he'll send confirmations but the original direction for our lives absolutely frank you're right on we get it directly from the lord he only uses his servants to confirm what he's telling you and you're led by your peace and we're led by the authority of the word of god and you know praise god for his mercy god bless all of you guys the the ones that are part of the prayer team that are listening in thank you guys for praying it's been an amazing battle you know frank sometime we should do a program i want to talk about how incredible the the false prophets can appear and, and i i've got a real world example of something that took place over about a six month period that was actually came right out of hell it involved Scores of Christians, people that I had great respect for, all got manipulated by the darkness. They were all part of the deception. It was the most brilliantly choreographed deception from the camp of the enemy. And it fooled me for a time until the Lord unveiled it, and I thought to myself, wow. You know, those of you who place confidence in circumstantial things, you know, let me tell you something. 
I had circumstantial confirmation instantaneously. And I'm talking about a, somebody would call me up and, and say, I was supposed to tell you this, and a minute later, another phone call, and I get the same word. That happened every day for six straight months. Got my attention. It was all false. What? Yes. It was all false. Are you kidding? No, Amen. I'm not kidding. We can't be we got to be smart, people. Well, uh, actually, you get to choose what you want to be. I want to be smart. Lack of knowledge could get people killed. we got to know the will of God. We can't just go off confirmation that appears to be from God. No, we Benjamin, know I agree. No. Because in Deuteronomy, it even tells us uh, that if a person comes and they speak something, and it comes to pass, yet they lead you away from the Lord. There's still no light in that person. So there are people that can prophesy things that come to pass and still not be from God. Well, no doubt. I mean, Satan knows what his camp is planning. You know, every uh, muttering spirit that peeps in the dark could have prophesied Hurricane Harvey before it happened. Since hell was intimately involved, they knew their plan. But yeah, I don't want to go off on false prophecy, but if you guys are at all having any questions on this whole issue of who's a false prophet, I would suggest go find the YouTube message, That Woman Jezebel, which will unpack for you Isaiah chapter, pardon me, Ezekiel chapter 13. But let's continue in the book of Revelation. Amen. These sayings are faithful and true. You know, the scripture tells us that in the last days, this is in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, the Lord would send men of understanding who would give wisdom, insight, and knowledge to the many. They wouldn't come as prophets. They would come to open up the scriptures. Nowhere did Jesus say there'd be a large number of true prophets. He actually said many false prophets would come. So, you know, the people that call themselves prophet in this hour, I say run. <laughs> now, I've heard the Lord, okay? You guys, if you listen to me for very long, I'll no doubt at some point quote something the Lord said. It doesn't make me a prophet. I'm, you know, now some people argue with me. Oh, yeah, Benjamin, you're a prophet. No, I'm not. That's not my office. Just because I heard the Lord doesn't make me a prophet. Okay? King Saul prophesied for an entire night. He was never a prophet. Remember the night that he laid, he went to visit the College of Prophets and he, he laid outside naked the entire evening? Mm. He prophesied. It's right in the scripture. Yeah. But he was yeah. not a prophet. So let's be real clear here, you guys. I mean, the scholarship of the Christians in this hour is pretty pathetic. And then everybody wants to, not everybody, let's just say judgment comes and it begins in the household of God, and so times are going to be changing soon. Let's get back to the Word of God. These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the Holy Prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly be done. Now Jesus speaking says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings, the prophecy of this book, not reads the sayings or studies the sayings or argues about the meaning of the sayings or wants to debate 
the doctrines of Bible prophecy, but he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of the book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and, and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel. I mean, here's John. This is the apostle John, whom the Lord loved, right? He's so blown away, he's getting all confused. He falls down, starts worshiping at the feet of the angel, and the angel says to him, See that you don't do it, for I'm merely your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets. Now, the apostle John was clearly a prophet. And of them which keep the saying of this book, worship God. You know, the false prophets in this hour, I mean, they're either in it for the money or they're in it for the ego. You know, they want the glory. They want to be the people that can show up and, you know, give out the, you know, Christian, you know, fortune cookies or whatever. Ultimately, it's all to attract people to them, you know. And we really should all be pointing people to God, which is what the text says in Revelation 22.9. Worship God. Hear from God. Find the Lord. And he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To give every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and they may enter in through the gates of the city. Whoever, for without, outside of the city are the dogs and the sorcerers, the drug users, Sorcery there, that's pharmacon, people. We're talking about, let me just check the word. Yep, that's pharmacon. We're talking about the drug users. Outside of the people that are on mind-altering drugs, opiates, and wow, you know. Half the country is on drugs right now. Painkillers, mood elevators, antidepressants, lithium, you know, Prozac. It's a chemical cocktail reality. Outside of the people, now, you know, I, I'm not the judge. I don't know. Maybe some of the people that are on that stuff are, whew, maybe they're okay, but uh, that's pretty frightening. Outside are the drug users and the whoremongers, yeah, all the sexually active people and the murderers. And if, you know, and Jesus said, I tell, the commandment says, do not murder. I tell you, do not hate. The haters and the debaters and the, the people that have the roots of bitterness growing. and The idolaters, the people who really worship at the other, at the, the temples for the other gods. You know, they, they worship the Nephilim, the NFL. You know, they, they worship on Sunday, you know, when the giants play, you know, whoever, right? And they, whoever loves and makes a lie, oh my goodness, who loves lying? Politicians, I guess there's not going to be too many politicians in heaven. The liars, I mean lawyers, 
Probably not so many lawyers get to go to heaven either. No, the liars are not going. There, there are lawyers that are ethical people, and they're not lying lawyers. But whoever loves you make a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. Notice this rebuke was sent in the church. This wasn't sent to the pagan people. This is a rebuke to the Christian church. Wait, no. All the bad things in the Bible are for the Jews. No, that's not what the Lord said. I'm testifying unto you, Mr. Christian American, in your church. The rebukes. You know, that, that whole teaching that, like, the book of Matthew is for Jews only? Listen, anybody that believes that, you're wrong, okay? You guys can throw that one in the trash. Where'd they make that one up? There's no difference in Christ Jesus between Jew and Gentile. That's right in the Word of God. You were, if you're a Gentile and you're born again and you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you got grafted into the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of Israel. He's the king of Israel. Jesus Christ, who's the king of kings, also took the title of the king of Israel. Amen. Now, that Amen. was the accusation on the cross. They wrote it over his head. Here is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of Israel. That's why they killed him. And so if Jew or Gentile, we're all in this together, brothers and sisters. There's no difference Amen. in Christ Jesus. Ben Benjamin, we're coming up on seven minutes. Yeah, okay. Praise God. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify to you of these things in the church, and I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and the morning star. And the Spirit and the bride said, Come, and let him that hears say, Come, and let those that are athirst come, and whosoever will, let them drink of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part in the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. And he which testifies of these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, Benjamin, not too long ago, um, I was I preached a funeral um, for a, a dear lady, and uh, it was real sad. The, the family they, they were they were so lost they didn't even know what how to even do a funeral. It was and um, so I had to help them walk through the whole thing. And so I, I preached the message right out of the church of Laodicea. I'm sure people were sitting in the audience like, "Why? How are you even going to do a sermon at a funeral service from the church of Laodicea?" But Benjamin, it reminded me when you brought this up tonight that the message is for the church. And when the church of Laodicea, I find the most merciful side of God in that one church because they're so backslidden. They don't even know they're messed up. And God's saying, behold, I'm still at the door knocking. Amen. To an undeserving, backslidden people. That is what I call mercy. Amen. Hey, and uh, Frank, I, I'd like to give a homework assignment to our listeners. Amen. Please do. 
You guys, I want you to go read Deuteronomy chapter 32. It is an amazing word. Now, it's a little bit long, okay? It's like probably a couple, maybe two pages. There's 52 verses. But you got to read this and read it carefully because it is a prophecy to America today. And it comes out of the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, and, and it says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. And it's God testifying to the entire earth. And I was hoping to share some from Deuteronomy 32, but we ran out of time tonight. So why don't you guys read Deuteronomy 32, and, and next time I um, get on this program with you guys, we'll go through Deuteronomy 32. It is amazing amen amen benjamin we will definitely do that and thank you so much uh for calling in this evening and helping me out here uh especially joining me from being out of my comfort zone out here in huntington beach but it reminds me benjamin that what you said tonight with in habakkuk you know when when god said that you know that the vision even though it tarry it will come to pass and it will eventually not tarry eventually folks these things will come to pass that the Word of God has spoken about. And this is the hour that we've all known was coming, and this is the time when you have to eat or get with it, or it's going to get away from you. Benjamin, thank you for the word this evening. And, folks, I just want to take Deuteronomy 32, study it, study it, pray over it, and ask God to show you how this applies to the hour that we are living in right now. Benjamin, could you just close us out with a word of encouragement? We've got about three minutes. Amen. Lord, I pray you would bless the, the teaching and the hearing of your word. I pray you would touch the hearts of people who are, Maybe they're a little bit discouraged. Maybe they're anxious. Maybe they're filled with fear for the things that are coming upon the earth. Their eyes are opening. Their ears are opening. And, and their hearts are troubled, Lord. I pray you would bring peace and, and bring hope, faith, hope, and love to those who are turning to you with all their hearts. Lord, you're a God who, who has the, the power to protect his own. There's nothing too hard for you, Lord pray you would put your hedge of protection around the people who are returning to you with a pure heart and Lord send your correction and your conviction upon the rest of us who might still be straddling the fence who are still looking at some of the things of Babylon and thinking maybe I still want some of that Lord I pray you would convict us all of our compromise in whatever form Lord that we would turn to you with all of our hearts that we could be gathered in among your remnant before the storm comes forth upon the entire nation. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Folks, this is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin from the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Hey, hey.